Welcome into Mailbag Tuesday. Not quite the same alliterative ring as uh, our podcast yesterday, but we'll roll on regardless. Uh, we start off talking about how the Knicks could build a championship team even if they don't land one of the top five free agents. That might be one of our wackier questions, but Alex and I figure it out. And then we're going to jump into uh, some potential trades that the Knicks could make and what to do if the Knicks don't land a big fish this offseason, plus an extremely rude question that we're going to answer anyway. And then uh, we tell you what Nick we'd bring back on a one-year deal in uh, that's been on the team in the last decade that did not make an all-star team. And we answer a question from my dad since it's Father's Day weekend, and I thought it was actually a pretty good question. All that and more next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Knox foul from behind. What he does is contagious. Oh, Robinson with a catch and slam. Across the lane to Trier. Becomes infectious. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw across the river. He's Alex Wolf. And, uh,. Before we get started today, I want to remind you, if you haven't already, to listen to the Locked On Mock Draft. Uh, our version of it was up a couple days ago. I think at this point it's, it's just about uh, finished up, but you can go back through the archives and check out um, every pick that each team made. I, I find every year that the Locked On hosts tend to make what I feel are better picks than the teams actually make. I'm sure if I went back in retrospect, it would probably be pretty even, or the teams would likely make better decisions. But just in terms of prospects I like, just because I think there's usually immediate consensus on those things, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty smart. And then I see what the teams actually pick. I'm like, you know what, they, they should have just had the locked-on host draft for us. And, and now I'm not necessarily making the argument that me and Alex should get to make the Knicks pick, but that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Speaking of which, Alex, um, if you want to watch the actual draft, uh, people can do that with you. Is that right? Yeah, we're doing a draft watch party again. I have... I woefully forgot to uh, pump this up over the last like week or so, uh, but it's been announced for about two weeks. Uh, this coming Thursday, June 20th, the night of the draft at 7.30 p.m. at Slattery's Midtown Pub. Same place if you came to our absolutely insane NBA draft lotto watch party. Same venue. Uh, it's at 8 East 36th Street in Manhattan. 10% of drink sales are once again going to charity. Last time we raised over $1,000. And there will be some Knicks gear raffles again, if I am not mistaken. I don't know exactly what we have as far as raffle prizes go this time. But usually pull something together and do some uh, do some raffle. And if we could pull it off, we'll do a 50-50 as well. Last time we tried to do a 50-50, but the room was literally packed like sardines. So it was, it was a little hard. Uh, I'm not expecting quite as many people this time around because you know it's a little less climactic however uh you know who knows i I think we're gonna have a good turnout again i believe we're also gonna have the upper floor this time around rather than bottom floor so it should be a good time and definitely a fun party to come out to and uh you know meet some of your favorite content creators because we're gonna be there with uh nick's film school nick's fan tv gotham sports network the nick of time show hard nick's life podcast nyk terry and trey and, of course, posting and toasting my blog. So definitely come out if you have a chance. Again, that's 730 this Thursday, June 20th 
at Slattery's Midtown Pub, 8 East 36th Street. Yeah, that should be a great time. All right, uh, we're going to get into it with, um, I think this this might have just because of the really deep cut hypothetical nature of it, might have been my favorite question in all of these mailbags. Um, Frankie um, Okorecki, I'm going to say. I thought we, you know, Frankie's written in before. I think I said Okariki last time, yeah. and I think that was correct. He, he I think he liked DM'd us. So, okay, okay, Okariki. All right, uh, at underscore Frankie O underscore, if you want to reach him on Twitter. Um, and he asks, uh, can you build a championship Knicks team using free agents and the current Knicks roster? You can't use Katie, Kyrie, Kemba, Jimmy, and Kawhi. Good luck, assuming we draft Barrett as well. All right, Alex, what were your what were your initial thoughts on this? Okay, so no KD, no Kyrie, yeah. no Kemba, no Jimmy, and no Kawhi. Yeah. That's rough, dude. Um, <laughs> Clay Thompson's out now, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I put him on my team anyways, because my logic is, like, you know what, like, I'm going to sign enough that we can make the playoffs, and in my mind, he's pretty clearly the best remaining player out of all these guys, so I'd, I'd still, I, I think he would give you the best shot at sort of overachieving and somehow winning a championship. I guess, you know, I don't know. I guess I was reading it like build a team that could win a championship this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I think he'll be, he'll be back by, like, April, presumably. You think so? Yeah. Uh, well, ACLs Not are tricky, but, yeah, it might be worth yeah. a chance. might be worth a shot. Yeah. Um, Man, hey, you know, it's freaking tough, dude. That's a really – this is a tough question. Like, I give Frankie some props. Like, I guess – like, I don't even want to say DeMarcus Cousins – because even though, you know, he definitely has I, – I think he could definitely still be, like, a star-level player. I just – I don't know about the fit with Mitch. And same thing with Vucevic as well, who we talked about yesterday on the show. Uh, that I was – you know, I was just like, oh, I'm intrigued by these guys, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on. Uh, I, I, I got a lineup together. I think – Yeah, why don't, you, why don't you lead us in? I've got an idea, but I'm kind of, like, running the numbers in my head of what I think – salaries could be all right so here, here's where we're going with and i don't know if this is necessarily realistic um specifically in terms of getting one of these players but you know what given the conditions I'll, I'll push it a little bit um so basically the guys you're picking between are uh delo clay uh tobias harris chris middleton al horford and, and you could you could throw boogie in that mix as well and, and one other guy who will be revealed later um the three that i went with were Clay Thompson, um, just because I, I think he's, again, as I said, like, and this is, again, tall task coming off the torn ACL, but assuming he comes back at, like, 95%, I, I think he showed pretty clearly in this postseason he is the highest ceiling of anyone that's not in that top five, and I, I kind of genuinely believe he's, like, the third best player in this free agency class if fully healthy. Like, he's, he's proven to be that good in that dynamic as, as a two-way threat, and I, I think he, he showed pretty clearly that he can average 30 for an NBA Finals. So uh, I'm having Clay as, as sort of the alpha dog leading scorer of this team. Chris Middleton, um, another guy who just really brings it defensively. And my idea, Alex, was basically just to build the best defensive team in the league. And in that vein, um, I brought back an old friend, Kristaps Porzingis, a New York Nick, once again. Um, I know about half of you just shut off the podcast and the other half are cursing me out under your breath or maybe loudly since it's New York. But just hear me out. Um, him and Mitch, we were talking about it like early last year, but like now that Mitch is in full bloom, I love the idea of those two playing together, like an inside outside combo, two seven footers on defense, both relatively athletic. Mitch, I think is versatile enough to guard power forwards. And if you have a starting lineup of, let's just say Frank, Clay, Middleton, KP and Mitch, 
That is probably the biggest defensive group we've seen in NBA history and a group that's mobile and a group that is rim protection. Frank can guard pretty much anyone at the point guard spot. Off the bench, you'd have Dot, Trier, Frank, um, Knox, and R.J. Barrett. So you, you get you get some offensive punch off the bench between Trier and Barrett. You hope Knox takes a step forward. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of I kind of like that group of Dotson can sort of turn into a poor man's Danny Green. I, I don't think that team could win an NBA Finals, but like in a completely wide open NBA, you, if you figure Clay comes back healthy, Middleton and Mitch are both really really good. And Porzingis maybe takes another step forward and is a 25 point scorer for a full season. Like that, that's a team that could like fluke into an NBA title, I think. You know, suddenly I hate this question yeah. because it allowed <laughs> you to dive back into your Kristaps Porzingis fantasies again. He's a good player. Uh, he might not be a great guy. <laughs> yeah, I hate him and I refuse, outright refuse to even acknowledge the possibility of bringing him in in this exercise. Sure, I'm considering him strike from Nick history forever. Right. He's never allowed to come back. Um, I am going to go, you know, I'm, I'm in a similar, kind of similar mindset to you. Uh, I'm going to go with, and man, it, it, it feels, feels weird to do this because I don't, I don't know how well this would actually work. I, I really don't know. Like, I feel like this is a really tough question. I don't think you could build with how good the rest of the league is compared to how bad the Knicks were. Without those players mentioned, I don't think you could build a championship team necessarily. But I, I think that you might be able to squish this into the cap somehow and get uh, D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, and Chris Middleton. And I think that those three together all coming off – well, Middleton wasn't quite a career year. But uh, Randle and Russell both coming off career years. Um, then you still have Mitch. You know, Mitch can clean up for Randle. Randle's actually – I mean to to insert a little bit of uh a little bit of current events into things he's been reportedly you know sort of a target of the Knicks according to our good friend Mark Berman uh so you know he he's a guy who might even realistically almost be in play for the Knicks here uh D'Angelo Russell presumably is going to be available if Kyrie Irving actually signs with the Nets uh and then Middleton is a really good defender great three-point shooter I think you could probably I mean the Knicks have like 70 million in cap space uh, I think Delos max, if you had to max him, starts at something like something like twenty five million. Uh, so you could max him, and then if you could talk uh, Randall and Middleton into contracts that start at around twenty million each, or maybe a little more, you know, then then you could be cooking and and get these guys together. Uh, and then you know you'd be looking at a lineup like at least a starting lineup that on paper is pretty good. Uh, you'd have to really you know work to fill out your bench and leverage exceptions and stuff, but you'd have a starting lineup that would look like D'Angelo Russell, uh, probably R.J. Barrett, uh, Chris Middleton, which, you know, flip-flop whoever's considered your your two versus your three there, uh, and then Randall and Mitch Robinson. And I think that's I – mean, I don't know if that's quite enough defense to get it done, but Middleton's a good perimeter defender. Mitch is a phenomenal, you know, interior defender. So I, I feel like you'd maybe have – the right mix that you could you could at least get a, a good seed in the East and and really compete. It would be tough though. It, it would be really like I said. It's it's like damn near impossible to make a championship team without using any of those players, starting with the foundation that the Knicks have. But I, I think they'd be in pretty good shape in that case. Yeah, I, d- I definitely I pushed it money wise a little bit more than you. I, I I think here's the thing. Like if Frankie's gonna confine us like that, I'm I'm letting the Knicks go into the luxury tax. I think that's that's the only way. 
you, you'd really, you'd have any kind of shot at it. But I, that, that's sort of the beauty of the NBA next year. Because just, I mean, just even like looking at the team like that I built, like I, I don't think they'd be the favorites necessarily, but you look like, like the Lakers are like the Vegas favorite right now. And I know that's more of a product of like which team is the flashiest and who, where, where the most money is going to flow. That being said, I mean, they're, they're literally a two man team with one of those two guys being LeBron in his 16th season. So it's, it's pretty wide open. Like not that the Knicks are like suddenly going to like throw together like a title team, like especially if they allocate any money towards Durant, that would, that would rule that out. But it, it is, and it, it, it almost not, not to go too far down this road because we're going to have to end the podcast early because I'm going to start breaking down. But it, it is, it is kind of incredible to think of a world where KD doesn't tear his Achilles. Like there's like sort of a very real possibility, like the Knicks would have gone into next season as the title favorites, assuming they ended up with him and AD. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. You know what? Better yet, let's just move on to the next question. Probably smart. Because <laughs> we're going down a dark road here of what ifs and, and potential things to upset me during this recording. And you already brought up the, the name of the beast and sure. I don't appreciate <laughs> that. So you've already got me in a bad mood, Gavin. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> all right. Next question comes to us from Osiris809 at PSBART02. And his question is, I feel like, well, it's kind of kind of a question. I feel like there's a three-way deal to be done with Charlotte and Memphis that gets Kemba to New York, Conley to Charlotte, and Memphis gets DSJ and some Dallas picks. Um, I don't, I don't want to like shit on this, honestly, but it's, I don't think that's very likely. Uh, I feel like, I don't know why the Knicks would trade Dennis Smith to get this done, considering all those guys. I mean. It, it, so let me just preface this by saying I, I've seen it floated to us, you know, online, I, whether to, you know, locked on Knicks or posting and toasting or just myself. I've seen it floated of like, oh, couldn't we like trade for Kemba's rights at the draft? And, you know, then we'd have his bird rights and we could sign him that way. It, it just it, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Um, once his contract expires, which it has, um, then he becomes – he's – He's untradeable at the like at the draft because he's not technically under contract anymore because he opted out. Uh, so then you know you, you don't have that option. Um, so if this is purely based off of starting after free agency, my answer honestly would just be like, well, why don't the Knicks just sign Kemba, who's a free agent, if he wants to go there anyway? And then if Charlotte wants Conley then, you know, the Knicks can keep DSJ and their Dallas picks and Charlotte can figure out how to, you know, make a deal for Conley that way. Uh, though it would be kind of difficult for Charlotte because they're kind of screwed cap-wise regardless. But uh, it, they have a number of big deals that they could probably include. But, yeah, I don't know how you feel about this, Gavin, but that was just kind of my thought. I mean, not to again, I don't mean to, like, completely dismiss it, but I just I don't see it as being very likely. Yeah, I don't really have much to add. I mean, the Knicks, we, we made it clear they can just sign – Kemba straight up. Um, I mean, I, I don't see, I have a feeling, I, I don't know how long DSJ is for this Knicks world, but uh, I, I don't know why, if Kemba necessarily has to, I mean, there's, again, there's no need to to attach assets to him to move on from him when the Knicks could just sign Kemba straight up if he wanted to come here. All right, uh, with that, let's take our first break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about a couple more trade scenarios and what the Knicks can do if they don't land a big fish this summer. That next on Locked on Knicks. All right, welcome back to the second segment of today's edition of Locked On Knicks Mailbag 
Tuesday. Not quite the same as Mailbag Monday, but, you know, you guys sent us so many questions, we couldn't just do it in one day. Uh, so we'll continue in just a moment, but just a reminder that when you're driving to work or from work or around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Knicks, and we will be right there with you for the drive. Also, be you know, feel free to do that at home on your Alexa or smart speaker. All of them recognize that. Just say play podcast Locked On Knicks if you ever are just feeling in the mood to listen to Gavin and I talk to you at any time during your day. Uh, so our next question here comes from, and I, I apologize, sir, if I, if I mess up the uh, pronunciation of your last name, but it's from Urim Lekaj, I believe, and it's just at Lekaj, L-E-K-A-J. Uh, he says, hey, Gavin. Oh, well, <laughs> thanks, Urim. You know, I'm introducing your question, and you're just asking Gavin. I'm kidding. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> he says, hope all is well. Uh, well how's no concern for how my day's going. God, you know, this I really question. appreciate it. I'm a small guy. <laughs> he says, at this point, what do you think about trading Trier to the Pelicans for number four and Solomon Hill's contract? Also, Marvin Williams' contract for getting back the number 12 pick. So, like, take on Marvin Williams this last year of his deal for the number 12 pick. Then he says we can draft RJ with our pick, Garland with number four, and Brandon Clark with number 12 and still keep cap space for next year. So, like, in a vacuum, I I probably would do this because, quite frankly, even with taking uh, – it would, it would be really close cap math-wise. If you took back those two contracts, which total over $20 million, and then had to add on the salaries of Garland and Clark also – you'd get into the territory where, like, if the Knicks really want to sign Durant, um, you know, to basically redshirt for a year to, you know, a max contract, they wouldn't be able to do it. So, I mean, I guess my probably my real answer would be, like, I would would probably want to just make one or the other, like, one of those those trades or the other one, because I just think that um, it would be more beneficial to keep a little bit extra cap space open and maybe even leave it open, not just for an asset in this draft, which is a weaker draft, but, you know, to go into free agency, see who needs to do another salary dump of like 10 to 15 million and then take it on that way and, you know, do that. So that would probably be my answer. And, you know, then you could, if you did another trade during free agency, you could get future assets, which are better for trades down the line and stuff like that, like get future first round picks and second round picks and all that stuff rather than, the picks in this year's draft. Um, I, I don't know about you, Gavin. I mean, I think that for me, the one that I would be more into here, just out of the two, would be to take on Marvin Williams's contract and get number 12 because he, he said my buzzword, which is Brandon Clark. Uh, so I'd be super into the idea of, like, if they could draft Brandon Clark at 12, that's a home run to me. Um, and then Marvin Williams, I think, you know, despite being kind of, on his last legs after what has turned into a very long and productive career. Um, I think he would still be useful and he'd be a good vet to have around the kids. And, you know, just in general, a good, he's turned in like a good stretch four at this late stage in his career. And I think he would be useful in that respect. So I, I don't know what you feel as far as that goes. Yeah, I'm with you. I guess just on the surface, I don't know how realistic either of these trades are. Like, I think for both, you might need to throw in a Dallas pick to get four, even with taking Hill's contract back. You might need to throw in 
both Dallas picks, depending on how much the Pelicans value Trier. And if he's even in a down draft, like, I mean, the fourth pick is still really, really valuable. And Trier had, a, like, a nice rookie season. And if Trier put up the same numbers and he was 18, you, you could do that trade in a second. But at 22, he just doesn't have the same ceiling of uh, Darius Garland or whoever, I mean, the Knicks or Pelicans preferred pick would be at four. And I know um it seems like um, New Orleans is, is shopping that anyways, and they might want to acquire someone with a little bit more experience, but I just think Trier's, like, his, his uh, combination of, of age and skill set isn't quite positive enough to pull that off. Um, For Marvin Williams, like, I still sort of think, like, the Knicks would need to throw in, like, a pick, like, even if it's protected down the road. Um, these 12, again, even in, like, a down draft is still pretty valuable just for one year of contract. We, we were talking about a pre-show, and, like, the idea would be um, that Charlotte would not have to pay the luxury tax. And you were telling me um, Michael Jordan, one of the, and this again, weird to say <clears throat> on the surface of it, but like sneakily, like not one of the richer owners. And like, that's been pretty clear in Charlotte spending over the years. And like, and if they bring Kemba back on the max, they're going to kind of be in cap hell. So that would, that would sort of make sense. And I think I'm with you. I think that's both the more realistic trade and the one that would make a little bit more sense for the Knicks. Yeah. And you know, like, the reason I think I think they would actually attach 12 just because this is viewed as a weak draft. And I don't think that's just people online saying that. I think that probably around the NBA it is as well. There's been a lot of rumors about like X team is willing to attach like this lottery pick just to get off this contract, which makes me think that people around the league aren't super high on the overall talent level of this draft. So I don't think the Knicks would have to give anything up. I mean, because really, like, I don't know. I, I'd be lying if I said I knew what what um Charlotte's exact salary uh luxury tax situation is but i know that they're i mean they're paying batum an obscene amount of money they're paying uh marvin williams they're paying cody zeller like all those guys are making like 15 million a year it's absurd uh you know batum even more than that he's making like 20 something million for the next few years and then kemba presumably if you give him a super max would be making like i don't know what his starting salary is but something like 36 million or something like that maybe even more um, so he'd get a, just a huge amount of money as well. Uh, so I, I think that they might entertain it just because once you're like, I know if, if you become a repeat offender under the current CBA in the luxury tax, you, you get charged just an obscene amount of money. It's like, it's like 300% of the amount over the luxury tax number you have to pay the league or something, which is like just, just ridiculous. So you know, potentially if, if they got rid of Marvin Williams and his contract, that could save them like, you know, like $50 million almost, which is a, a lot of money. Uh, especially again for Michael Jordan, who's not one of the richer executives in the league that just prints money like a James Dolan. So yeah, definitely something worth looking at, but it, intriguing question. I just, I, I'm with you though. I, I don't necessarily know that the Trier one would even be realistic. The Knicks would definitely have to include something more in that one. And I don't know, I don't know if I'd be willing to. And and for that reason, I wouldn't want to do that either. Uh, So we'll move on to our next question here. This comes to us from, I believe it's just pronounced Omar. It's O-U-M-A-R. I'm going to go Omar though. Uh, It's at poor King, poor underscore King on Twitter. He says, uh, what are options if we don't get a big fish? Definitely that in case you don't have it. And we need to have every scenario down pat to keep us sane. Yeah, I agree. It, it is good to have scenarios down pat to keep us sane. Uh, Gavin, we sort of, I mean, because we had all the 
the uh, Durant questions yesterday. So we sort of touched on this, but what are what are your thoughts as far as this goes? Yeah, I'm generally a proponent of. I, I think I mentioned this when we talked about Durant, but um, signing signing Durant ideally, and if you if you don't sign Durant, um, I don't. I'm still. I lean towards being team roll it over to next summer. Like I, I don't totally totally hate the idea of like overpaying for like Middleton or Harris, like given your point yesterday that like that next star isn't necessarily like on the horizon for the Knicks, just in terms of like the 2020 free agency class, like not shaping up to be all that great. And I think there is something to the idea, like it wouldn't be like the worst thing in the world to like, like, let's just say like, like hypothetically, I don't, I don't think this is necessarily likely, but you sign, you sign Kemba and Tobias Harris and you win like, 40 games next year like on the surface like that's like exactly what you don't want to do in the NBA you're you're sort of in um you're sort of in purgatory at that point you're not you're not a contender but you're too good for the next couple of years to um get a couple of top five picks and like legitimately like build one of the better troves of young assets in the NBA and yet simultaneously like if I'm looking at like trading for like the next expiring star you you get into the same situation they were with Anthony Davis where and obviously it sort of took a fluke with Kevin Durant getting hurt for this to happen but like you don't have a team that like he would want to resign on and I'm not saying like Kemba Walker and Chris Middleton would would have guaranteed that but like you had two like stars of that level like even a notch below the elite elite of the league and, and you you get a top five player and you say like look like you're you're they're the final piece we can win 60 games if you're on the team. Um, I think there is there is something to be said for that, especially with like all the young assets the Knicks already have. So I wouldn't necessarily mind that simultaneously. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind them tanking another year. So I guess I guess I'm open. Um, all I'd say is like whatever the Knicks do, they have to be like really committed to it, and they have to know what the next step is. Like if you're signing those two guys, it has to be because you're anticipating um another star you can trade for down the road that can make that team a championship contender, and not just doing it to save face. And and so you look decent for the summer. Yeah, my theory would be, uh, you know, hit the draft, get R.J. Barrett, because, um, you know, if, if you don't think you're going to get any big free agents, I think he's definitely the best fit. You know, we've talked about ad nauseum on here about Culver versus Barrett, who's the better fit for the Knicks, blah, blah, blah. I, I think if you're if you're essentially doing another rebuild year, you know, uh, Barrett's going to be the better chance to take because he has more potential as a lead guy. Uh, then from there, as far as free agency goes, I would look I so first off if if nobody's listened to it yet um check out we did uh, I actually did two with a uh, friend of the show Schwinnie Poo uh probably god almost a month ago now uh two shows about you know some emergency targets the Knicks could go after if they don't hit one of the big guys and you know I would try to hit some of those guys get some veterans on like one or two year deals try to keep that cap space fluid you know, where you can move these guys if you have to or whatever. Um, and then the big move for me would be, I think, like if you if you 100% strike out. And so if I'm thinking no big fish, I'm thinking not even Kevin Durant. Like you can't, you know, he's out of the question too. Um, I would just start looking for players around the league that are trying to get dumped, you know, like that their teams are trying to dump them and attach assets to and just be like a dumping ground for you know, every player that um, teams aren't wanting at the moment and just do it that way. Um, and, and that would be what I would want to do. Just fill the cap space with, you know, essentially one, maybe two year deals, you know, bad contracts and take back assets and just try to reload and 
and, you know, maybe hit next summer with some cap space, but at the very least keep 2021 open where the free agent class is a little stronger again. Yeah. And I mean, and there's something to be said for the idea that like you could, you could acquire stars, but you still need the assets to get them. And like right now the Knicks have enough to put them in the conversation, but if they go that path, they, they would just be the clear favorite and you could get a guy even with maybe two years left on his contract, like a Kyrie Irving type situation. And I guess the only thing, the only thing I would say to that is, and, and I don't know if this is necessarily like the right argument for like settling for guys that are like a notch below and like overpaying a Kemba Walker, overpaying a Chris Middleton, overpaying a Tobias Harris, but just that like these guys are like hard to get. And like we've, we talked about it time and time again on this show, like the Knicks over the last 20 years, like they have essentially no track record of signing really high level free agents. It's like Amari Stoudemire and Allen Houston, really. So if you can, if you can get like a Kemba Walker and Chris Middleton, they, quite literally represent like the two best players the Knicks have signed in, in two decades. So, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's the end all be all because as I noted earlier, that strategy has its pitfalls, but I, I don't know. I think there, I think there is something to not totally dismissing that. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's not a, it's not a bad idea. Um, I would just worry that the team would get a little bit, a little bit stuck in mediocrity in that case. But I mean, there are worse things. Uh, honestly, People always are like, oh, championship or bust. I'm like, for this team, for this fan base, like, as long as you can keep some form of flexibility going forward, there are much worse things than being, like, a five seed for a few years and at least getting to see some playoff basketball and some entertaining basketball during the season. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I, I would kill for that. I would kill for, like, four or five years of good, competent basketball in a row. And if, and if you know, signing Kemba and Middleton would get you there, then, you know, I, I'd maybe be into it, you know, if there's no better options. But, well, hey, it, I, yeah. And yeah. I was just going to say, here's the thing. I mean, with Middleton and Harris in particular, like Kemba, you could make an argument this isn't true. But with those two guys, like the worst case scenario is you, is you probably trade them for like a top 10 pick or, or multiple first round picks. Like they're both young. And like even if the contracts are a little generous, like there's always going to be like a, a Sixers like team that is willing to give up assets for that type of guy. That's very true. Yeah, that's another good point, too. I mean, it's not like the guys would suddenly become untradeable the second they become Knicks, contrary to popular belief yeah. <laughs> or whatever the Daily News might tell you or whatever. Um, all right, so we'll move on to our last question. Oh, boy. I don't the like that. utterly disrespectful question from Waffles at Zaddy Waffles. <laughs> Why are three Nets nerds hosting Locked on Knicks? Uh, shrug emoji. Is Alex of right off. <laughs> we had to get the nerds. <laughs> of course, talking about last week's episode. Uh, where you and the host of Locked On Nets, uh, and the two hosts of Locked On Nets yeah. were, uh, chilling and chatting, and then I burst in at the very last moment and came in just for the last segment. Honestly, though, I didn't think that was a bad episode. I didn't think it was, I mean, whatever, they were cool. <laughs> yeah, I think I will, I will credit, uh, Waffle's, uh, deductive reasoning, because those are, those are actually two of my best friends in the world, and we all went to, uh, one of the uh one of the nerdiest high schools in New York and uh none of us were on were on any of the teams, so he, he really he really doesn't pick them. We are we are probably amongst the nerdiest locked on hosts, though I will I will say we, we spend an abnormal amount of time talking about comic books on this podcast. So if you were if you were opposed to nerds, like what are you what 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 are you doing here, Waffles? That, that's all I'm gonna that's all I'm gonna say. I thought they were cool. I thought they were cool. Yeah. Personally. Okay. Well, and I'm a big nerd too. So sure. I, I take exception to the, to the nerd thing, but I know that, I know that Zaddy Waffles was just, just fooling with us. So we're, we're good. We'll, we'll we're good. Twitter waffles. Just yeah. We're good waffles. Anywhere. Good. 
<laughs> anyway, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll tackle the last segment and get into an interesting question about uh, what Nick we would bring back that has uh, been on the team since 2010 and was not an all-star. What player we would bring back at this stage. So we'll get to that in just a minute. Third and final segment in part two of this mailbag edition of Locked on Knicks. Again, it's Gavin Schall and Alex Wolf with you. And we start off with a fun one from PL uh, Capuano, I'm going with. I think Capuano. I think that's how you say it. Sure. Paul Capuano. All right. So Paul Capuano asks, if you could bring back any player who was on the Knicks since 2010, and important qualifier here, was never an all-star on a one-year deal for this upcoming season, who would it be, Alex? Oh, for me, it's easy. And it's actually, you know, when we were just talking about in the last segment about, you know, the the backup plans of bringing, bringing in guys that are on, you know, one-year contracts and stuff like that, like big expiring deals for next year. Danilo Gallinari, man, I'd be totally into that. I mean, I thought that Gallo put up a great season last year. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to pull up his stats, which I probably should have pulled up, uh, that he averaged – over 20 points a game or very close to it. He yeah. averaged 19.8. I was pretty damn close. 19.8 points on pretty good efficiency. I mean, he he shot 43% from three last year, which is just insane. Uh, that was the best mark of his career other than his rookie year, which was obviously he only played 28 games that year. Uh, but I think that would be a great homecoming. You know, that would be a, a good player to have on the team. Um, you know, he seems he seems really congenial. I think he would be a really good mentor for the, you know, the kids. And I think that he would just enjoy, and, you know, he's still got something in the tank too. That's the other thing. Like he would make the Knicks kind of watchable next year on his own just by, you know, actually being a pretty good player. So I, I'd be into that. I, I like his three point shooting. I like his, he's got a pretty complete scoring skill set at this point. Um, he's kind of like one of those like fringe all star ish guys, you know, that like, Maybe even on the Knicks in the Eastern Conference could maybe even, you know, be an all-star for them uh, in this coming season if you would, you know, keep up those efficiency numbers and stuff and put up those same. I mean, you have 20 points, six rebounds, two and a half assists on really good percentages in New York in the Eastern Conference. There's a very good chance you could be an all-star. So I think that would just be a fun time. I don't know. I, I would like having him back. I always like seeing you know, guys come back to the Knicks after a while. And particularly in, in Gallo's case, his game has actually grown a lot since he was on the Knicks. So I definitely would be into that. What What is it again? It's it's Oak or once the Nick, O is a Nick? Yeah, Okak. Okak, there we go. Um, yeah, I, I, went, I went a little bit of a different direction because I think as I described last podcast, my best case scenario for next season is the Knicks signing Kevin Durant and then tanking as hard as they possibly can to get another top five pick. So I, I was looking for the worst Nick in the last eight years to bring back under this year's team to play 48 minutes a game and, and help with the tank. Um, I came up with a pretty good list, Alex. I'll, I'll take I'll take some input, but uh, Maurice Endor is certainly on there. Um, Marshall Plumley, uh, the worst of the Plumleys. Uh, Sasha Vujicic, who, who could teach all the young guys the triangle, which I'm sure they they need to know. Uh, Ron Baker, uh, the chemist. Uh, I think he, <laughs> he he's available. Uh, Kevin Serafin uh, could bring uh, his snake named Snakey back onto the team, who <laughs> was a, a vital contributor. Uh, Lou Amundsen uh, is probably playing at some YMCA somewhere, so I'm sure he's available to come over for a minimal amount of money and maybe a granola bar. And then uh, my, my final guy, and probably my answer, uh, Jimmer Fredette. Like, how, how fun would it be? Like, like, let's just say, like, the Knicks get Durant, and, like, they say, okay, we're going to roll it over one season, we're going to suck this year. 
they, they don't really have a point guard, like obviously like Dennis Smith and like you want to, you want to still see what Frank is and Kadeem Allen was fun. Like I wouldn't, like obviously like I want Frank to play, but like you take Frank out of it or you play him at the two. Like I wouldn't mind just letting Jimmer take like 20 shots a game next year, score like 25 points a night, um, give up like 40 on the other end every night and just, just, just kind of kick it and have some fun with that. I would like to suggest James Flight White also as sure. an honorary mention to your list. So he could, he could enter the dunk contest again, be one of the most hyped up contestants of all time and fall flat on his face again. Uh, current, current Chris Copeland. I don't know what he's up to, but I think he, uh, he yeah, did. Chris Copeland. I always felt bad for Chris, man. Cause yeah. he, he was he good. Had that whole, the whole incident where he got, he got like stabbed or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That sucked. Don't go to one oak. That's, yeah. a, that's a good lesson. Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was awful. He was, he was, he was one of my favorite guys on that team. I, I was like, I was convinced he was going to be like an all-star. Oh, I love Copeland. Yeah. 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 I had like a really, really strong love for him. All right. Now that we're sad, uh, question from my dad. Uh, Alex, uh, do you think, and I think he could have extended the timetable a little bit. So maybe we could, we could say three years, but he, he asked, uh, do you think there's a better than 50% shot Mitchell Robinson makes an all-star game in the next two seasons? I'm going to say no. Um, and I feel kind of bad for saying that, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, Mitch's game, I don't know, like, unless he, like, really, really, really develops on offense, his game doesn't really lend itself to, like, all-star nominations. Because even if you get to, like, Rudy Gobert levels, I mean, you've seen Rudy Gobert not make all-star teams and, you know, get mocked for being upset about it. Um, I just don't know if that's in the cards for Mitch. I could probably see him making one at some point or another. I just don't know if that's, it's, I certainly don't think it's going to happen in the next two years. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I kind of went through it, and uh, last season, um, the Eastern Conference got three bigs on the All Star team in the traditional sense, and so I didn't I didn't count Giannis, but it was um, Joel Embiid, Blake Griffin, and Nikola Vucevic. So if you just look over the next two seasons, like the only lock from that group to make it is Joel Embiid, and then the other candidates, and like I I, I really went through this, um, Blake Griffin, uh, Vucevic. Uh, Pascal Siakam, Lowry Markinen, John Collins, Miles Turner, Andre Drummond, uh, Wendell Carter, and then a shout for the Nets nerds listening, uh, to, uh, Jared Allen. Uh, for the next two years, the guys that put him behind, um, are probably, and, and let's just say Embiid's a lock. So two more spots available each year. Uh, Lowry, uh, Blake Griffin, who will probably fall off a little bit, uh, John Collins and Pascal Siakam is, I think, um, the three younger guys of that group, they're just going to have better offensive counting stats than uh, Mitch. Like, I, I think Lowry's going to turn into like a perennial, like 20 plus point scorer on pretty good efficiency. Collins, I could honestly see putting up like a suitors next season, like 23 and like 11 or 12 a game. And Siakam is just such a darling after that finals. And he, he's obviously a guy who has a chance to be really, really good. And I, I think, I think he made the key point. Like we see like how incredible Rudy Gobert is year after year, and uh, if we, if, if you listen to the GOAT, uh, David Locke, who uh, may or may not sign our checks, uh, he, he will tell you that uh, the advanced analytics, um, some of them in-house on the Lockdown Podcast Network, uh, consistently paint Gobert as like one of the top five to seven or eight most impactful regular season players in the NBA, and despite that, he's still not able to make an all-star team because, I mean, the fans don't really care about defense, the players don't really care about defense, the media um generally like guys like Locke do but like people who aren't as analytically um inclined don't emphasize it as much so I, I really think the avenue for him to do it would be if the Knicks had gotten Kyrie Irving which um, you could tell I'm already kind of waving off and he was just playing with like a really really high level like James Harden 
type of creator that could get him 14 easy points per game on lobs. And I, I do think like there's a world where he's like Clint Capella and like, and maybe even better than Capella as we saw flashes of last season where he could average like 20 a game, shoot 60% from the field, also pick up like 13 rebounds, three blocks and just make an all-star team on the strength of that. I would just guess that's probably two or three seasons away without a great point guard to hassen it. Yeah, no doubt. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, like I said, I think that at some point he might sneak in, especially in the Eastern Conference. But I just I don't think it's going to be in the next two years or even the next three. Like I feel like it would be sometime like where it would be like almost like I mean I I think that Mitch's ceiling is higher, but it would almost be like remember when Tyson Chandler made it as a Nick, and it almost felt like it almost felt like a lifetime achievement thing. Like oh this guy's been so good, and you know he just kind of deserves this at this point. Um I feel like it would be one of those where it would just be like, man, Mitchell Robinson, he's been so good for so many years, like, and he's putting up his what's probably going to end up being his best statistical year. Let's let's give him a nod this year. I feel like you get one of those. I mean, it wouldn't really. I feel it 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 feels dickish to call it like a like a courtesy nod, you know, because it would be earned. But it would just be like, this is a guy that's not normally an all star type player, and we'll get him in the all star game because he's had that kind of impact on his team. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, let, let's wrap this up. Uh, last two questions here. Um, what are your thoughts on Archer Zar- Zagers? Zagers from Latvia asks uh, AWS at Asian Wonder Three. Uh, Alex, I, I did I did a little bit of a deep dive on Archers. I think I think I yeah. Saw I'm going to let you fully answer this yeah. question because I'll be I'll be completely transparent. I didn't look this guy up at all, so I'll let you go in on it. Totally fair. So um, he's he's considered to be um, something of a Latvian uh, Steph Curry. Great range on his jumper, very crafty, pretty tight handle. Doesn't necessarily have an NBA build or NBA level athleticism. He is like six three, but like just just pretty pretty slow. But very very crafty. Like he he just reminds me of like all those dudes in the early two thousands who you you would have never ever heard of in your life um, watching the Olympics or the World Championships. And then after they played the U.S., you'd never hear of them again. But they would just be on, like, Lithuania or Greece, and they'd randomly, like, torch, like, Jason Kidd or Stefan Marbury or AI for, like, 35 points in that one game and, like, talk shit to them the whole time. And, and you'd watch the game, and you'd be like, oh, my God, that's the best point guard in the world. And they'd never end up in the NBA. Uh, that's how I think of uh, Archer Zagers. And, and he, he is an entrant for the 2019 draft. In, in a few mock drafts I went through, I didn't see him uh, mentioned as a pick. So I think he's a, he's a guy who could borderline go late second round if like a team falls in love with him or someone who will maybe be picked up as a free agent. Uh, I I admire him. I, I like his game. He, he's he's fun to watch. Uh, I, I don't I don't necessarily think he's a target for the Knicks, but I'm happy we get a little bit of a head start on him if the Knicks somehow end up with um end up with his rights. Sounds pretty succinct. I will trust your scouting report there, and we'll end with a final question here. Obvious one, but we wanted to include everyone that was asked of us. Are we out of the AD trade race? Asks Rahul uh, Baradwaj, I, I want to say. I, I apologize if I destroyed that name. Rahul, I, I sadly think that we are out of the AD trade race. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to call it, but it, it seems like it's over. Also, uh, just I, I think in the future we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna start spelling out last names phonetically before we start the podcast because they they proved. Uh, a surprising challenge today, but we, we appreciate the question from you, Raul, and uh, and everyone else who, who took the time to send something in. I think I think this is the most we ever we ever got for a mailbag, so we, we genuinely do appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, 
you know, thanks for all the mailbag questions, guys. We'll be sure to do another one soon. Be sure to come out to that meetup again on Thursday, 7.30 p.m., Slattery's Midtown Pub. Be sure to meet us there, and uh, we'll probably be in your ears another time, at least one more time before the draft. So keep an ear out, uh, and we will talk to you guys soon. Peace.